1: Hi, everybody. Welcome to the show. Today, we're talking with Henny Beaumont. She is an artist and por- portrait painter who lives in London, England. Today, we're discussing her first book, Hole in the Heart, Bringing Up Beth. So, Henny, welcome to the show.
2: Hi. Thank you for having me. <laughs> um,
1: can you uh, tell us what inspired
2: you to write this graphic novel? Um, well, I... Uh- as an artist, I'm and I'd I'd always painted, um, but I hadn't I'd never written a graphic novel before. Um. And I suppose it was a combination of the experience of having my daughter. And um, actually, it was seeing a doctor talking about her work. as um, uh, She's a consultant, but she wrote comics as well. And I saw a talk she gave about uh, work as a doctor and her experience with patients. And it completely inspired me and made me think, oh, I really want to... Um, describe my experience that I'd had with my daughter um, in a kind of graphic format
1: well you know it's a it's a very emotional book um, yeah. you know yeah. I, I didn't think it would be quite that much but when I started reading I was like wow this is you know it, it seems like you didn't hold anything back um, nice. you know you <laughs> know <laughs> um and uh, uh, which I think is very brave of you um, and not a lot of people I think would want to share everything that you were thinking um, yeah. <laughs> and you know and you uh, you definitely did which I think is is important um, you know because y- your daughter has Down syndrome and um, you know, it to share what you went through is probably going to help a lot of other people to be okay with how they're feeling with it and and then to to overcome because it has a beautiful ending as well.
2: Oh, thank you. I mean that was that was basically was the idea was that there wasn't really, I felt, felt there wasn't anything really out there that described my own difficulties in coming to terms with her diagnosis because when I was pregnant, I had no idea that she had Down syndrome. So it was a complete shock to me and it took me quite a long time to get my head round um, and the fact that she had Down syndrome, Uh, and there wasn't really anything. I felt that there was lots of sort of quite positive um, stuff about Down syndrome, which was great, but there wasn't anything that sort of described the process that I had gone through to get to the sort of more positive outcome in the end.
1: Well, you know, and some of the the things that you're feeling and that you go through are, um, you know, probably not as politically correct as we would want it to have been but yeah. i think it's also very real because you also you have this you know you're expecting this um healthy child and then yeah. you, you know um the diagnosis was was probably you know as you said it was a bit of a shock and it does yeah. change the dynamic of of everything um and that's yeah. something that you have to accept as well
2: i mean the thing is i had no sense of having any kind of prejudice against um, down syndrome or any other kind of disability when i was outside of that situation but it was only when i had a child with down syndrome that i sort of really felt oh my god i, I actually have prejudices against people with uh i'm not in an active way but it, but it it, it was as though, oh, you know, it's okay for other people, but it's not okay for me, which really sort of challenged my whole idea of about what it's sort of meant to be human and what it meant to have a disability. And um, I felt that only if I really looked at myself and my own preconceptions, could I sort of expect other people to look at theirs. And that, that's why I really wanted it to be as honest as possible because I thought, you know, we all hold, sort of ideas that we're not even aware of unless we're sort of faced with that sort of situation so i suppose that's what you're referring to as the political uncorrectness of it is that you know it was because i mean it's, it's a journey i mean it's it's not it's not where i end up it it shows that how you know when i was initially confronted with it i mean it was partly my own ignorance as well i i hadn't you know Down syndrome was completely off my radar. I had no idea really what it meant. I had no sense of what people could achieve with Down syndrome or, you know, it was something I hadn't even thought about at all. I didn't really know anyone who had Down syndrome. It was, you know, I had some sort of kind of slightly antiquated notion of what it meant to have Downs, um, none of which was really true at all. So, yeah. Well,
1: you went you went through a process as well, um, it seemed. Um correct me if I'm wrong, where yeah. um you were worried about um I, I guess what other people were thinking, but that might have been a reflection of what you were thinking as well.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean I sort of anticipated I th- particularly when she was very little and I was I was quite angry, you know, because it was it was traumatic, um, her diagnosis and I, I was sort of left shocked for a long time and I think um uh, shocked and quite angry really because I, it, it was badly managed by the English health system and when we were told we were, te- we were told awful things about her prognosis that she, you know, that we'd be there's a bit in the book actually where I say where we, we'd be comforted to know that she was going to die before us and that she wouldn't manage to read um, all sorts of things which are just n- not true I mean, and um I've really lost my train. Oh, That's yeah. all right. Um, <laughs> um, oh.
1: So, so when you were given the the diagnosis, um, yeah. it was how did how did your husband
2: react? Did he have the same thoughts as you did? Um, well, yeah. Really, I mean, the thing was, we were initially given a 50-50. I mean, it was at birth. So we'd had all the antenatal scans, the kind of usual antenatal scans. We'd had the nuchal fold test, um, and nothing had shown up. Um, and she had a heart condition quite a serious, AVSD, a you you know, fairly serious heart condition as well, and none of that had shown up on the antenatal scan. So for him, it was a complete shock as well. And he he, he had uh, as, as much knowledge or as little knowledge about Down syndrome as I have so, um, yeah, we were very much in it together he He was shocked as well, but he was he was great i mean he was very we sort of kind of went came in and out of you know one person would be feeling one of us would be feeling more down, the other would sort of step in and be strong and say what well, i you know would comfort the other one and I'll manage and um he's he's always been sort of very strong about it but he did he you know he did have the same sort of feelings of shock and um this is not my life of, sort of wanting to reject the sense of having a child's bounds in the same way as I did initially yeah.
1: yeah it was good that you were able to support each other it sounds like you're kind of a tag team yeah. <laughs> you know <laughs> letting each other go through what they need to and and which is what you know a strong relationship should be about now, um, you have two
2: older children as well. How did they react? Well, uh, I mean, I guess I picked up a lot of what, how we initially react. Um, although, um, and I was quite, I think, you know, with hindsight, I think I was a bit overwordy about my explanations. With my eldest daughter, who was six at the time, although she she disagrees with me, she said it, she found it helpful. But I think I sort of was a bit insistent on Kind of describing everything because i mean partly because I wanted her to be to be able to um offend her for herself, you know if she was asked about what it meant or if she was ever teased about her sister i mean in a quite- in a way that actually never ever happened, no one really ever sort of um commented to her about her sister or in a negative way but um so there I think it was slightly coloured by my reaction but actually I mean they just really adored her when she was a little baby I mean, she was so sweet and kind of fluffy and, and um she had this sort of sticky up hair which was very sweet and they just wanted to take it in turns really to hold her so they sort of fought over her but you know it <laughs> through my prism of sort of gloom at the time I, I, you know, when I drew the book I sort of looked back at the photos of when she was a little baby and you could see how much they adored her but I was really worried that it was ruining their lives basically that that I had presented them with a disabled sister and it was a terrible tragedy but for them she was just like this absolutely gorgeous and they both now (laughs) whenever I see a baby with Down syndrome I have to take a photo from my old the children because they absolutely love babies with her, it reminds them of Bessie <clears throat> when she was little because she was just sort of floppy and sweet and when you held her she'd sort of just snuggle into you in such a sweet way but I found that difficult to see it at the time so I sort of I feel like I sort of missed out a bit on her being a baby even though obviously I was present I was there but I think the way in which they adored her um, was the way in which I probably would have liked to have been able to at the time
1: mm-hmm. So you, you said um, earlier that you had some misconceptions about Down syndrome, and um, wh- what were those, and, and where has it come from then, from there? Um,
2: well, you know, it's partly it was our family GP, actually, who said um, she won't be able to read, um, that uh, she, we'd be lucky if she could recognize the signs for men and women on toilets. It's a sort of very odd thing anyway to um, pick out, but... Um, and then a lot of people who would say, you know, sort of well-meaning things, but would say, uh, you know, I've got a, you know, I've got a 30-year-old cousin, you know, this is when you're talking about to someone who's just had a baby, they'd say things, you know, I've got a whatever, or older, I've got a cousin who's in his 50s and he's living in sheltered accommodation and he... Um, I know, does some kind of menial work or something in a way that they would try to be being nice, but they would be saying it as though, you know, this is the prognosis for your child. And I had to feel like, kind of, you know, it's, you wouldn't say it to anyone else who had a small baby. You wouldn't project that far into the future of mm-hmm. what they might possibly be able to do and also try and present it as a great thing. And um, so initially, uh, it, it was it was really complicated, actually, by the fact that she was very fragile as well. So she had she was very purple and very weak and because um, she had holes in her heart and faulty valves. So, you know, I, I didn't know if she was going to survive. I mean, initially she was going to be operated on, you know, it might have been a sort of an emergency operation and we were just told to watch her. And if she went blue, we should rush to hospital. So I you know, the physical sort of stuff about her health. I didn't know whether she was going to make it. And, um, but I, I found it very difficult to see her as a sort of person as a small baby and to imagine that she was going to be able to do anything. I remember thinking, oh, you know, what if she can't get through that stage where, you know, little babies, they pick up things and you're worried about them choking. I was sort of thinking, will she ever have enough sense to be able to get beyond that stage even? So there was sort of my, I mean, combined with sort of the kind of gloomy outlook, I've been told my GP and my own sort of difficulty in seeing her, progressing I um, I don't know I didn't think she was going to achieve very much at all actually <laughs> yeah, but, um, yeah.
1: Um, we're going to we're going to take a quick break we're talking today with Henny Beaumont about her graphic novel Hole in the Heart bringing up Beth uh, so we're going to be back shortly and tune in
3: your life your health your network You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. The largest syndicated alternative health talk program has come to the Voice America Network. The Dr. Bob Martin Show is the program that will answer your health questions and help you to heal your own body of many different ailments. Each week, you'll hear the answers that Dr. Bob gives to his callers that help them to be their own doctor most of the time. We'll also discuss developments on the health care front and what you need to do to keep your body in top form. The Dr. Bob Martin Show airs Wednesday mornings at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health and Wellness. We are bombarded with information daily about happy life strategies, beauty products, and business success ideas. Are they truly going to make a change or just take the change out of your pocket? Tune in to Shelly's Show and Tell with host Shelly Hancock. Shelly will explore and recommend proven business ideas as well as show you how to use the law of attraction to create health, happiness, and a prosperous business. Listen Mondays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health and Wellness.
1: Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Today, we're talking with Henny Beaumont. She's connecting with us from London, England today to discuss her graphic novel, Hole in the Heart, bringing up Beth. So, Henny, when, when Beth was born and you're, you're dealing with the diagnosis of Down syndrome, which was a, a surprise to you. You also found out that she had, you know, serious heart condition. Um, how did that impact you and, and what, what happened with that?
2: Oh, well, it, you know, it was just a dreadful time, really. Um, so she, Down syndrome first, and then because she was seemed quite weak, and I think the consultant who saw her suspected she had a hole in the heart, then we then had a, um, a scan at Great Ormond Street Hospital four days later and they found she had two holes in her and an AVSD, um, so a faulty valve, and um, they said it would be possibly emergency um, operation, or she might be okay, but we didn't really know, I um, they said she would definitely need an operation before she was five, but it may, they were hoping um, in terms of the size of her heart that she would be older, because um, obviously it would be easier to operate if she was a bit older, but I just, I'm, I, it was very difficult to take anything in at that time because I was sort of reeling from shock. I mean, you've give, just given birth, and so you're sort of physically in not a brilliant state. And then the shock of the down syndrome and then on top of that then being told that your daughter might die that she has i don't know they said it like that but they just said the word heart failure which to me sounds like she's going to die but actually if you look it up when they say heart failure it just means that you that the child might go blue and that you need to do something as a sort of an emergency which also obviously sounds quite scary but it's not quite as scary as someone saying that your child might have heart failure, if you see what I mean. But Mm -hmm. um, it, uh, and again, this is with hindsight, is that I think it really um, disturbed the sort of bonding process because I I think I just felt that, you know, that he was a child I was finding it difficult already to love um, because I was so sort of taken and well, not for six, I mean, that's sort of an understatement. But I was shocked by her diagnosis, and then um, then the sense that she might not survive. Um, I think sort of made me really hold something back. That I I think the sort of idea of the unbearable pain of losing a baby. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, whether this is true or not, but it's sort of some sort. of self-preservation that I don't think I really connected with her properly until after she'd had the operation and um, she was in the all clear that, uh, you know, she, she, we were told that it might be a very complicated um, recovery because of having Down syndrome, that she might be in hospital for much longer than children would normally be. Um, but actually she was it was really quick. Um I mean, she's really strong, Beth, and um she was sort of sitting up the next day and then I think she was only in hospital for about four days in the end. And this was after full open heart surgery. So um she it was kind of remarkable how quickly she did bounce back from it. And um I, I think once that was out of the way life became a bit easier i think it was became easier to think okay we've just we've got down you know she's got down syndrome things aren't going to change um and that we have to get our heads around this and um get to know her and get to love her i, mean, I still find, i found it really difficult but I, I i you know and it took me a while and I'm sort of going backwards and forwards but once i had then life became much easier so
1: what do you think um you know you had to go through all this process and you said it sounds like you were in a self preservation to to love her until yeah. after the surgery um but w- what do you think changed that for you Well
2: I think her getting better um I think also I think you know what ha- what started to happen it, you know, uh, she made quite slow progress in terms of talking um and um walking and those sorts of things but i think once she did start to sort of communicate with us um and we began to be able to really see her personality and um i think it just took a long time sort of to get to know her and uh, i sort of just fell in love with her really i mean she's just sort of she's quite difficult not to love i mean she's so I mean I don't know she's my daughter but she's so delicious and so sweet and so (laughs) I mean funny and naughty and you know like like my other kids but you know uh, I think this I suppose the sort of what I imagined was going to be just wasn't and and the sort of progress she made I felt very pleased for her and I mean, it's very endearing someone achieving those I feel like I've been patronising her towards her but I mean just I just fell in love with her basically I suppose oh. what happened <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, yeah that's really sweet um, when when you sent her to school um, yeah. how, how what happened there I know you had some difficulty in, in primary school and, and so what was going on
2: um well, the the school, it was a new school, and they hadn't had any children with disability and inclusion in England. I don't know what it's like in Canada, but it, inclusion is just not very well supported or wasn't in this particular, particular primary school. It wasn't um, the, the special needs coordinator, wasn't... Um, fully versed in what he should be doing with a child with Down syndrome. Um, I mean, there's a lot of material available. Uh, There's a great place, Sarah Duffin Centre, from the Down Syndrome Association. There's lots of information available. And they could have um, made it a lot easier, I think, for us. And so there was a lot of sort of reactive um, education. So they would... Rather than planning for behaviour, um, I think they would uh, they would sort of put it back on us. So they, uh, you know, I got phone calls all the time saying Beth has done this, Beth has done that, and um, rather than them sort of having a plan of action and knowing how they were going to manage her, it was sort of thrown back a lot at us a lot of the time, and it was, and it was difficult.
1: When when you sent her to secondary school i know you had some debate about her yeah. going to a special school what was what was going on in your head then
2: um well i wa- i wanted her to go to the same school as her sisters which is uh was a big comprehensive um which was local and um again she would have been the first child to go there with down syndrome and there wasn't a big uh group of kids with special needs there Um, and also I mean one of the main things was that at at primary school she had a a support learning support assistant so she had one adult with her sort of all day so someone in lessons sitting with her and in a way it it prevented her from uh, becoming as independent as I think she wanted to be and it also was a bit kind of it made her into sort of special in a kind of way that wasn't very helpful to her so she would be a bit naughty and misbehaved but then if she had the sort of adult with her then she um then i don't know she got sort of special attention i think and uh the school that we sent her to uh they have 10 kids in the class but they all the children have to manage they don't have individual although the children have some of them have slightly more complex needs, um, they have to cope as a group together and they, they have two teachers and, and I think it was just a really good th- thing for her having to manage on her own in a way that she hadn't at primary school so although it was a although it's a school for kids with moderate learning difficulties um, and it's a state school so uh, it's a local state school as well it felt to me that she'd have more independence there than she would have done at the local comprehensive school that we could have sent her to and I just think the size of the the school um, and her, both her sisters at the time were at that school and they felt that she wouldn't cope and and I I had to really take on board their opinions because they would have been at school with her and and they knew the school so and they basically said you'd be mad to send her here so I had to really kind of go with that
1: well you know it makes more sense to teach her to become independent and to allow her to to explore that on her own yeah 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 so there was a point, um, you actually have four children, and yeah. um, Beth, Beth is your third. When you were pregnant with your son, were you worried about him having Down syndrome as well?
2: Uh, well, I was no more likely, I mean, you can, um, I was no more likely to have another child with Down syndrome, so uh, Betty, it was a, for me to have her was a completely random occurrence so it didn't make it more likely but uh, you know I, having had something happen which was completely unexpected I, yeah I definitely was more worried and um, but I I don't know I mean I don't know why I, d- I just didn't feel particularly c- concerned when I was pregnant I, I sort of felt quite confident that that he hadn't didn't have Down syndrome but um I didn't really, yeah, I mean, I I was worried, being honest, I definitely was worried, but the, yeah.
1: That's, yeah, that's okay. Yeah. Um, so, um, with, in the family dynamics, it seems yeah. that, you know, near the end of the book that, um, you know, Beth is just a, a part of the family and it doesn't seem like, you know, she's, um, you know, needing anything extra aside from what she needs as a as a person. Do I have that, that right? Is yeah. she sort of, you know, part of the family? Oh, completely.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, she just... Yeah, she, uh, you know, they she's good mates with her little brother. They've always sort of played together and um, and with her both have big. I mean, yeah, with her big sister, she's kind of behaved more like a teenager and... Um, she—it's well, just—it's difficult to really to describe it because it's just normal family life. So without, I can't really think of anything particular. But we all kind of muck about together and watch telly together, and we're all watching Planet Earth at the moment together. And uh, just yeah, she's just part of the family.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, so uh, when.
1: Um, throughout her life, um, including when she was at the the primary school, uh, yes. has she had any difficulty making friends? Um, yeah,
2: she has really. I mean, uh, not so much at primary school. She did have friends at primary school. I think it, it, it's more difficult now because she's not quite at the stage to have the independence that she would like. So she can't... She. Yeah, as far as she's concerned she would like to be going to clubs drinking beer and um, <laughs> going dancing at night and she's she just actually wouldn't be very safe doing that i mean anyway she's 15 so she wouldn't be allowed to do that whatever <laughs> but um she wants she's quite naughty she wants to be a she wants to be a naughty teenager and she watches um things on telly <laughs> Give her ideas, and um, but she can't really just go and hang out with her friends in in the way in which she wants to. So so that is a bit problematic for her. So so
1: what so what does that mean if she's fifteen? What's the difference between um, what she needs and what, say, her sisters needed at fifteen?
2: Um. Oh God. Well, her her sisters at fifteen were very sort of they're both quite academic and sort of work driven so I mean they weren't actually she, Beth is much more of a kind of wayward teenager or or would like to be um, than either of them were were, they're both kind of sort of studious, working girls and um, she's sort of her favourite film is that film uh, Step Brothers with Dale and Brandon, these 40-year-old men, <laughs> and they're really badly paved, and she thinks it's completely hilarious, and she would really like to be like one of them, or sees, identifies as, as them, as Dale and Brandon. So, um, yeah, she has different ideas from her big sisters. Yeah. Um, have Have you ever
1: had any moments where you were um, maybe concerned? I guess aside from when she was first born and you were going through the the process of it of acceptance, but you know now that she's older, I mean, um, have you ever been concerned that because she's different, there might be different treatment for her in the world or anything like that?
2: In a sort of do you mean in a kind of thing? yeah prejudices, prejudices that kind of, of thing? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I just, just generally, I mean, I always kind of was expecting someone to say something awful and I was always kind of, you know, once I got over the initial shock and then I felt like a sort of protector and defender that I was always sort of thinking someone was going to say something and I was going to say, what are you are staring at? Or someone was going to say something awful. And it just never really happened. Um, and um, I don't know. I mean, I guess sometimes people speak to me rather than her, but then I just sort of encourage them, I encourage them to talk directly to her, you know, in the conversation, if I'm there with her. Um, The school she's at is really nice now, and she goes to some great, she goes to um, a place called Hackney Shed, which is a great um, theatre company where she uh, which is an inclusive theatre company. Um, so she does acting, she does swim club, um, she goes to sort of another she does a boat club on a Saturday, so she has friends at all these places and most of them are uh, inclusive. And I think probably things have changed in the way in which people think about Down syndrome, possibly. Or I think also I've become a bit more thick-skinned and a bit more forgiving. So if someone said something that was sort of a bit iffy, I think I would just explain to them. Or, or, and I think quite often people say things just because of ignorance, and not because they're being kind of mean, or, or you know, their prejudice is of a nature which is more of ignorance rather than sort of you know, nasty, uh, 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 which we ever can uh, encounter. Um, and Beth, she's quite strong herself. She's quite, um, if people. Are unpleasant. Um, she's having problems with the little boy at school at the moment, but she's very able to look after herself. And quite often, the story she tells, I find out that actually it's not just the little boy. It's her- she's also up to no good as well. So <laughs> she, yeah, she can look after herself quite well. She can tell people she's. You know, particularly with if her siblings are teasing her um, she has quite a lot of practice in how to uh, for herself through uh, battling with her siblings I would say so.
1: uh, yeah it sounds pretty normal for a 15 year old really <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, so we're going to take a quick break um, we're, we'll be back shortly we're talking today with Henny Beaumont she's the author of Hole in the Heart Bringing Up Beth and we'll be back shortly Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to
3: Voice America Health & Wellness. Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. The show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, president and CEO of the Cancer Support Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network.
0: What causes us to be sick? We're not talking about the actual illness or the scientific cause of illnesses. We're talking about your body and health. Listen for the healing whisper of Return to Peace. Each week, host Dr. Marianne Chase shows you how to listen to your heart to identify poor health, stress, and disease. You'll learn how to heal energetically and spiritually, as well as physically. It's time to depend less on the drugs and more on the heart. The Healing Whisper airs live every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Health & Wellness.
3: Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness.
1: Hi everybody, welcome back. Today we're talking with Henny Beaumont. She's the author of Hole in the Heart, Bringing Up Beth, which is a, a graphic novel. Um, so Henny, you talked before the break, um, you know, about comments people have said uh, that are just more about ignorance. Do you find that some of the, um, what they're saying is, is maybe where you were before you had a child with Down syndrome?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that that well, yeah, absolutely. And I think there's a bit in my book that I talk about um, um, about language about Down syndrome, and that people people when they talk about Down syndrome, they say uh, a Down's baby or a Down's person. And uh, and I'm sure I had I would have done that before I had Beth, but um, when Betty was you know little. And when I was still angry, um, if someone said uh, a Downs person or a Downs baby, I'd find it really upsetting. And um, because I mean, I still don't particularly like it. And if you look at the Down Syndrome Association website, it explains it probably more clearly than I'm about to. But it um, because it feels like you're, you 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 mention the Down syndrome first, and as though the person with Down syndrome is a sort of separate. Um person as though they you know as they're their uh, they're alien you know in a sense that actually that um that uh, what matters is is the fact that they're a person. Immediately, and the, and the Down syndrome yeah. is just something additional. So, I would always say, a person with Down syndrome, or a child, or a baby with Down syndrome. And it, although it seems quite small, it really matters quite a lot to me. I um, mean, and, and um, but. I wouldn't feel angry with anyone for saying it now. And and actually I had a radio interview recently um, too in London where the the interviewer said a Downs person and I managed to say in a very sort of nice way, actually, would you mind saying a person with Down syndrome? But I mean, 10 years ago, I probably would have gone, that's really not very nice and (laughs) angry about it, but no. I'm not, I'm not. it
1: sounds like it's been a process for you as well <laughs> yeah. to to come to terms yeah. yeah um you know and and with what you explained with with where you were when she was born you didn't understand anything about down syndrome either so yeah. um you know having that compassion that other people yeah. don't know and yeah. they're in that place you were 15 years ago exactly yeah, yeah. Yeah. um so it, it do you find that um there's a lot of support and resources for parents with children with Down syndrome uh,
2: well you know there are these there are these great things she does after school which um is massively helpful um there there is um there is stuff there if you look for it um there is um this place called the Sarah Duffin Center which is amazing um a research resource for education for children with Down syndrome but, and they recommend um, reading materials and, and um, you know there's things like people with Downs are often much better visual learners um, and those sorts of things are quite important to know and are very helpful so we did Makaton with Bessie before she learned to speak so having signing is a really helpful way for people with Downs to learn Um, So, yeah, we sought out information, um, and we were able to sort out. I I don't really know how much support. I mean, actually, I did meet, I met a woman last week who had had a baby and who knew her baby had Down syndrome antenatally. And, you know, it's quite unusual here for someone to put, Progress with the pregnancy where they find out the baby has Down syndrome. And she said that she had never had anyone say anything unpleasant, and that, you know, when she was pregnant, and no, because it's quite common the story of someone um, who's pregnant with a baby with Downs who wants to progress with the pregnancy that they will be asked if they're sure, if they really want to keep the baby. And um, she said she felt things must have changed. She'd read my book, and she felt things must have changed since um, Betty was born, um, and she was getting good support. So, yeah, I think. I mean, I don't. You know, I don't know how things will be affected with sort of austerity cuts, and uh, <laughs> I don't get split up, but with uh, Brexit and money and disability allowances cut, I don't know. But at the moment, there is fairly good support. So
1: um, now with the the reason why some people would want to terminate that pregnancy, would that be some of the, just the unknown about Down syndrome
2: or? um, Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think there's a really negative narrative about Down syndrome. You know, I think from health professionals or there has been, and whether that changes or not about, um, you know, I, I was given a leaflet, which when she was the tiny baby, which told me all the things that, might go wrong about leukemia or about um uh oh, i can't even remember i sort of slightly washed out of my brain but in the way in which you wouldn't dream of giving someone you know the <laughs> any kind of info, we all know the kind of things that can also go wrong with any children, that you wouldn't say your child might get cancer, your child might get run over, your child might, you know, twist on with a newborn baby. It would be unthinkable. And so I think the sort of the the narrative around Downs and seeing it as a risk rather than a chance of having a baby with Down syndrome has been it has been you know, it needs to be redressed, to sort of balance a bit. Also. well I,
1: I think it's interesting the way that you just said that um, you know the the risk of having a, a baby with Down syndrome instead of the chance of having yeah a, a baby with Down syndrome and and I, I know people who haven't been in your situation although listening to your story I think we can all understand where you are but I I know the misconceptions of you know this child is going to be a burden this child is going to be handicapped yeah. and yeah. and that that's going to be too hard is
2: that some of what people were were thinking. Yeah, I think so. Um yeah, I think it's also looking at the, what the child won't be able to do rather than looking at what the child will be able to do, but will be able to do and being up to date with what kids with down's um, children are achieving and and also how they feel about their own lives. I mean I read something recently about ninety percent of children people with Down syndrome are happy with their lives and um, so sort of taking that into account about how people with Down syndrome think about their lives and um, their achievements and their progress. Um, and their fulfilment, and 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 what are we measuring it against? Are we are we only you know are we valuing people for uh, on just academic or intellectual grounds, or, or where where are we saying p- people's lives are worth living? You know, how are we rather not where, but how are we judging people's lives to be worth living or not?
1: Yeah, yeah, it seems you know if they aren't going to be. You know, in a certain level, then, as you're saying, we're judging that their life isn't worth living, which i yeah I think is is not really where it should be.
2: yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, which you probably agree with. yeah, um, so any um, if there's any parents or anybody who's in a similar situation, whether it's a child with Down syndrome or any other disability, what advice would you give them? Oh God!
2: (laughs) (laughs) Ah, I don't know. Depends what they were asking me. Um, It was quite broad. Um, You know, I mean, I suppose just from my own story, I I felt that my life was over. That it, I had, you know, that it was. It sounds melodramatic now. I thought my life was over. Nothing would ever be the same again. But it's just nonsense. I mean, I've. My family life has been really good, and Beth has not been a burden or or you know, any of the things that I thought she was going to be. That she is has been a real addition to my family, and uh, my kids all love her, and my my I love her, and my husband loves her. So um, you know, and all if you decide to have children they're all going to be a pain in the neck and they're all going to give you problems in some way and they're all going to give you huge joy as well. So I think, you know, if you're making the decision to have children, then you've decided to have children, I suppose. And... um, and if you love your children, then it's rewarding, but it's also difficult as well, isn't it? Sorry, yeah. that, that sounds a bit tried. <laughs> I
1: don't well, you know, know. It, 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 I, I think the way you're saying it makes sense is that, um, you know, if, if correct me if I'm wrong, but what you're trying to say is that a, a child with Down syndrome um, has the label of what the difficulty may be, whereas other children will also have difficulties and they'll both yeah. in, both situations will bring you the same amount of joy as well.
2: Yeah,
1: basically. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, which which is a, a good way to explain it. And I, I, I wonder if you know that had been explained to you the dance syndrome in a different way um, when you were going through your difficulty, if it might have been easier for you. Somebody said, you know, yeah. this is what's going on, but we know, we know what it is, and uh, um, you know, it's it's going to be no uh, no bigger challenge than any other yeah. child.
2: Yeah, I think it would have been really helpful if someone had said that to me, if that that I'd had solved. I mean, I did sort of seek out, I found um, people who had older children and who did say that kind of thing to me. And I, w- I quite often said to people, when does it get better? And I do remember someone saying to me, you, you know, once I started loving my child, then it got better. And I think that's really when it got better for me is once I was able to love her, then it kind of didn't really matter. But it mm. it was difficult to get to that point.
1: <laughs> yeah, that acceptance. Mm. So, um, w- with you know Beth's heart condition and with everything mm. else, how how
2: is she doing now? She is completely fine. She's at the moment out at a um, club with her, not a nightclub. <laughs> <laughs> as,
1: as she wants.
2: <laughs> no, this is a, um, it's a boat club that she goes to, La Boat Club. Um, and they've gone on a outing. I can't actually remember where, but they go off. Um, she gets picked up after school on a bus and then they bring her back, which is completely brilliant. She has an absolutely lovely time. So she, where she, She's that's where she's, physically now um emotionally now she's um I don't know she's quite not. I've just, she every morning she tries to pack her iPad and uh, headphones into her school bag and every morning I have to say to her have you got any contraband in your bag that you would like to admit to now <laughs> and she says, no mom no mom I haven't and then um uh, we go for the same performance she asked Dale from Step Brothers to check her bag for her which is uh, sort of like a Ken Barbie so <laughs> Dale looks in her bag and says Beth I think you need to take your iPad out of your bag so this is the game we play at the moment so yes that's where she is she, at the moment
1: she sounds uh, quite sweet and and happy
2: <laughs> she's so happy Yeah, yeah, yeah
1: yeah and she's in so, love
2: with uh justin bieber oh, like, oh well of course she is <laughs> <15-year-olds, funnily> enough.
1: <laughs> yeah uh, she sounds like a 15 year old Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so um if there's anybody listening who'd like to um read your book which i highly recommend how can they find it
2: Okay, you can find it on Amazon. From It's published by Penn State um, Press, so it's on uh, U.S. Amazon. It's also on U.K. Amazon. Um, it's just come out in Spain as well. Um, and you should be able to order it through bookshops as well if it's not in your local... It, was at it Waterstones? But if it's not in... The, I don't know, the American bookshops. But, um, yeah, and if you can't find it, go to Penn State Press. But Amazon is on Amazon, so you can get it there.
1: (laughs) Uh, That's great. Well, I want to thank you so much for sharing your story with me today. Um, I highly recommend this book to anyone, especially if you um, even just have a child going through, um, you know, the process of raising your child um, or a child with a disability. I think this book would be very helpful with a lot of what um, you. you go through with that.
2: Thank you so much.
1: Yeah, so thank you. Today we were joined by Henny Beaumont. She's the author of Hole in the Heart, Bringing Up Beth, which is a beautiful graphic novel. Next week we're going to be joined by Jason Fung uh, discussing his book, um, The Complete Guide to Fasting. So please uh, tune in and join us then and make sure to make today a great day. Thank you for tuning in to this
0: week's edition of Falling Through the Cracks,